We are answering your questions. We're diving into a listener mailbag episode. All of your questions getting answered. Hey, you are no locked happens, on Golden Gophers. No matter what we're going to do here, we're just going to keep rowing. Your daily podcast on the Minnesota uh, Golden turns out, Gophers. Turns out, we're just keep rowing. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. We're just going to keep rowing, keep rowing, and keep rowing. listening to Locked On Golden Gophers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name's Kane Robb, host of the podcast, former collegiate football video coordinator and recruiting assistant here to talk Golden Gophers with you each and every day of the week, Monday through Friday. And today we are diving into a listener mailbag. I take your questions each and every week and try to get as many of them answered as I can on the show and try to keep it 30 minutes or less to keep it uh, easy listen for folks. But if you want your questions answered in future weeks, definitely hit subscribe on YouTube or follow wherever you get the podcast at Locked on Golden Gophers. And Send us your questions. You can drop them in the comments of the YouTube section. You can send them on uh, DM on Twitter at Gophers Kane Rob. You can check out our weekly posts asking for questions and more. I'm always looking to gather the listeners' questions. So thank y'all for tuning in. Thank y'all for contributing to the questions. And let's get in. All right, so let's jump in. Now, the first question that we have from a listener is, will two running backs get 13-plus carries for the Gophers? And second, does that translate to positive things? Now, overall, I think it's a great question because we haven't seen a whole lot of multiple touches for running backs, especially when you get into the 13, 15 touches under PJ Fleck as the coach. Now, a lot of that was due to Mo Ibrahim being kind of the workhorse over a vast majority of that tenure so far. But there has been moments, there has been times where we have seen it happen. So the answer is yes, uh, it's possible, but at the same time, I believe we truly should see that. It just comes down to will Coach Fleck put that out there. Now, the best example of this is probably in that 2021 season when Mo Ibrahim went down and when Trey Potts went down. After that, you saw... Bryce Williams for a little bit, and then he went down as well. But you saw a vast majority of the snaps going to Kai Thomas and Bucky Irving, two freshmen on the team. Now, once they went down, those two backs kind of led the offense. And versus Iowa that season, you saw Kai Thomas have 29 attempts for 126 yards, and Bucky Irving had 17 attempts for 80 yards. Now, that same year, we saw splits between those two backs in multiple games, 19 to 21 split versus Northwestern, 21 to 15 to 13 split, Bryce Williams was in that one, versus Maryland. 26 to 14 split with IU and then 21 to 19 split versus West Virginia. So we've seen it happen before, especially with a younger running back room. I'm hoping that's what we will see once Darius Taylor is healthy, that we see that same type of split and workload and sharing of the rock when it comes to the running back position between Darius Taylor and Zach Evans. I really hope that's the route we go. We saw it can be successful and it gives both freshmen touches and hopefully a reason to stay committed and stay here in Minnesota. Now, that being said, when we did do that, we ended up losing both of those running backs at the end of the season to the transfer portal as well. I'm not saying that's a correlation hand in hand, but it is unfortunate that that is the way it went down. Now, the next question is, we know the Hawkeyes have a solid defense and special teams, and a below-average offense. 
but how do you see us best attacking them when we are on offense to win this game? Now, the first thing I'm going to say is we have to run the ball, plain and simple. Now, the rush defense of the Iowa Hawkeyes has been worse than the pass defense. Like I've said all week, their secondary has a lot of guys in there that can make game-changing plays, that can force interceptions, that can force pass breakups. So the secondary is rock solid. And they're top 30 in pass defense in the nation. But the run defense, it's still top 50, but it's it's more so, I think, because a lot of people haven't been attacking them on the run in the run ground game as much. Even in that Wisconsin game, I feel like Wisconsin fans were calling for Braylon Allen to get the ball. Even though he was a little banged up in the game, they're like, he when he has the ball, he's doing something special. So hopefully if Darius Taylor is healthy and when Zach Evans is out there, Bryce Williams, whoever else, we have to run the ball. We have to run the ball. We have to run the ball. Now that is probably music to PJ Flex ears. So I would expect to see a lot of running, but it can't just be running. And I want to stress that. You have to have the pass game still. You have to have some sort of complement. And the biggest thing in that pass game, in my opinion, is creative usage of the short game. The running backs and the tight ends should be featured in this game, in the passing game, so much. They should be. Will it happen? I don't know. But those should be the best friends against this type of Iowa defense. Because if you can get short swing routes out to your running back. If you can get your tight end moving on a drag across the field and just get them short yardage, three yard plays. And if they can break a tackle, keep creating, it still moves the ball into better running position. So that way you're starting, maybe you do that on a first down every once in a while or a second down every once in a while and you gain three yards from it, four yards from it. Then your run on the next play or the play prior, hopefully is gaining three or four yards. So then you're looking at a third and three. It, almost each and every time. That is how the Gophers typically play against this Iowa team, and that's how they find success moving the ball is taking and making short yardage fields and getting short yardage third down opportunities, but then converting on them. And that's going to be the huge thing for the Gophers is converting on third and shorts. Don't fall into third and logs. Don't fall into long opportunities where you have to gain tons of different yardage keep using the short passing game and keep an effective run game and I think that's going to be really good against Iowa but the biggest thing I want to stress the biggest thing and key for the offense to win this game is taking care of the football because the last few years that's how they've lost this game is losing the football late and then it's just it's a wrap after that but with that you can't abandon the pass if something goes awry you can't just be like, oh, we threw an interception here. We're not passing the rest of the game. You cannot do that. Rather, you need to look for easy completions. If an interception happens, if a if we get set back on second and 10 and third and 10 and we go three and out and all of a sudden it's like, well, we didn't run enough clock and we didn't have the ball, you can't abandon the passing game. You have to find ways to get easy completions and build the confidence of the quarterback up again. If you look at the Iowa matchup from last year, in the first half, was solid for the Gophers. Ethan was like eight for nine. Mo Ibrahim was tearing it up and the Gophers could keep it moving. But in that second half, they turned into the Mo show, which worked for a while until it didn't. And it forced the Gophers into a tough situation and a make or break situation on a third and eight, I believe. And Ethan Kaligmanis throws a uh, slant route to Lamecki Brockington on the left side of the field. And it was there and it hit him in the hands. It was good, but it bounced off his hands and then it was intercepted. And that was a wrap. That was the ball game. So basically, yes, 
The running game can be the main attack and a great approach against this Iowa team, but you cannot completely abandon the pass game. you got to keep your quarterback confident and warm, easy completions, and then eventually, hopefully, you can build in a shot or two with the play-action pass. That's going to be the best route, I think, for this Gophers offense. The next question we have is, can our interior line hold up versus the Iowa front? Now, I yes, the, the short answer to that is yes. This Iowa defensive line is not like the one we saw last year. They lost a lot of their punch, a lot of their power, a lot of their pressure uh, that converted into sacks. They lost a lot of that to the draft last year. Or uh, one player was suspended as well this past past offseason with the gambling hoopla and whatnot. But they still find a way to get pressure. So they still create pressures, but they haven't been able to get home on those pressures quite as much. So Minnesota will still have its hands full, but I think that the task isn't unbearable. It isn't something like we saw versus this Michigan team. It isn't something like we saw versus Nebraska in game one with all the complexities of the different uh, pressures that impact or blitz packages that they were bringing. Now, that being said, I think Minnesota is going to run the ball, like I have mentioned. And so in this game, With having two patient running backs, if Darius Taylor is healthy, I think that having those two patient running backs should help the Gophers because it helps them wait for holes to open up and they have a little bit of wiggle to make people miss. So I think the biggest thing for the interior offensive line is just needing basic consistency. You don't have to do too much. You don't have to take on double teams. Iowa, uh, if you can win a one-on-one matchup with this defensive line, I think you can set yourself for success in not only the running game, but the passing game as well. And hopefully with how much they'll probably run in this game, it will open up some play action shots for the Gophers and that will help us drive and move the field. Next question we have from a listener is, can we win without special teams at least, or at least go even in the field position battle? Now, I'm going to be 100% honest with you. I do not think the Gophers will win the field position battle. I don't even know if they can go even in the field position battle when it comes to flipping the field with special teams, especially because our special teams has not been special all year outside of Jurgon Kessich. Love the guy. Foot of gold. Keep kicking the thing. But overall, I think Minnesota coaching has been kind of stubborn on the return game front and in a lot of special teams fronts in general. But I would love to see a player like a Christian Hoskins who has huge speed or a player like Sean Tyler who has been in all conference returning or all conference returner for the Mac and see if they can find some extra boost, some extra wiggle, some extra ways to get better field position. But the Gophers just haven't had it happening. and We're halfway through the season, and I don't expect it's going to change anytime soon. So if Minnesota is going to score in this Iowa game, it is going to be on long drives. It's going to be going down basically the entire field. So they're going to be three and outs. There's going to be – it's it's going to be big-time football. There's going to be a lot of three and outs. There's going to be a lot of punting. But it's who can capitalize on some big drives and turn it into points, turn it into touchdowns going to be key and the key to short fields for minnesota is going to be turnovers now i think there will be an opportunity for multiple turnovers but the gophers have to capitalize you can't just secure the turnover as the opportunity but you also have to score with them as well now we have more gophers questions coming up next we've got questions on football we've got questions on basketball and more we're going to dive into the mailbag even further coming up next 
first, I want to talk to you about our friends over at Prize Picks. If you like daily fantasy sports made easy, then boy, do I have the thing for you because you can test your skills on Prize Picks this football season in the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 in just a few taps. And that is a challenge that I like to accept. Now, with quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types, that's what makes Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. So you can look at this week's Iowa game numbers, the ones that have been released so far. Ethan Kaliak Manis, 116.5 pass yards. All you have to do is hit over or under. Deacon Hill, 99.5 pass yards over or under. Daniel Jackson, 32.5 receiving yards. Corey Crooms, 27.5 receiving yards. Nico Reganey, 20.5 receiving yards. Now, I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of passing in this game, so maybe I'd smash under on all of those, but they don't have the Gophers running backs on there yet. I'm sure they're waiting to hear more on the Darius Taylor injury and if he will be playing or not. But that being said, Prize Picks has an awesome thing because they have a reboot policy with your entries that stay in play even if one of your players get injured. So for NFL games and college football, top 25 matchups, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second, the player is rebooted. Prize Picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with injury insurance. So go to prizepicks.com slash locked on, use promo code locked on college uh, for the first time to deposit match of a, up to $100. You put in 100 you get 100 in your account. That's 200 total. 20 and 20, 40. You see the math there, but go to prizepicks.com slash college. Again, prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. All right, Gophers fans, thank you again for listening to Lockdown Golden Gophers and making us your first listen when it comes to Gophers Daily Sports. Now, we've got some more football questions, then we're going to turn it over to basketball. We've got some basketball listener questions as well, and I'm absolutely loving that with the season quickly approaching. Now, the last specific question to this Iowa game is how will we scheme against Iowa's interior zone coupled with the backside C-gap cutbacks? Now, look. It's detailed. That is a very detailed question. And honestly, if you want a very, very detailed breakdown answer, then I would ask my guy, Daniel House, who should have a very technical answer for you. But when it comes to this running game and trying to stop the interior zone and then how they use the C-gap outside zone as well, I think that Coach Rossi is going to get creative with the usage of the nickel cornerbacks in this one. And whether that be adding an extra hat to the box, whether that be sending a simulated pressure or having a delayed pressure as well to help fill the run fit, help fill the gaps, fill the holes uh, on a delay as they develop with a safety or with a nickel corner, I think that's going to help take some of that pressure off on the inside zone. But on top of that, I think he's going to try to send different looks and, and feels to shut down this run game. Now we saw... He'd him do that against uh, North Carolina, who was a really good running team, but they had a quarterback to pick us apart over the top as well. I don't think Iowa has that. So we might see a lot of extra hats, a lot of extra things to stop the run game specifically in this game. Now, the big thing for me is if Cody Lindenberg is back, maybe you see some interesting rotations of Maverick Baranowski coming in at the weak side linebacker. Maybe you'll see different blitz packages from Devin Williams and using his speed to get into the backfield or to create uh, stops on the outside zone runs. But overall, I think the biggest thing that you're going to need to see is usage of that nickelback position 
And the biggest thing is, is Jack Henderson healthy enough to play in this game? That's going to be something we want to watch. I think Craig McDonald is going to get a lot of usage in this game, especially if Jack Henderson isn't healthy. But the biggest player in this run defense for this week, I think, is going to be Darius Green. Safety across from Tyler Newbin because he is a big run stop player. He is a guy who can lay the smackdown, lay a big hit. But I think the biggest thing is he cannot get trigger happy in this game. He has to play patient. He has to play dis- disciplined like we've seen from Jordan Howden. Jordan Howden is the ideal safety for this type of matchup that sticks to the principles, keeps his eyes where they need to be, and doesn't get caught getting trigger happy. That's going to be pertinent in this game, and Darius Green is going to be a key player in my opinion. Now, getting away from the Iowa-specific questions, we're moving into some more general Gophers football questions. Can we be less excited about this year's football team and still believe better days are ahead for PJ and Co.? Uh, They're trying to moderate their expectations. I get that, 100%. And yes, I think you can be less excited about this year. It is a growing year, unfortunately. Now, we had high hopes that young players would click and get it super fast and we'd be in the competition. And you know what? That Northwestern game is really the only game that's taking us out of actual West contention right now. Can they still do it? Yes, but they have to win a heck of a lot of games moving forward. And we just haven't seen enough bright spots to have full faith in that. That being said, if people can come along, if things start to click after this bye week, then maybe there's things to get hopeful about. But I totally understand being less excited about this year's team, but still having hope for the future. This is a really young team. We've seen simple mistakes from players like Aiden Gooseby, from Maverick Bernowski, and that's not saying they're going to be bad players. They're young, they're inexperienced, and they're learning on the fly. The expectation was not for those players to continue to have a ton of reps. Even Ethan is still learning and growing and still getting the understanding of how to handle certain situations. That's why I'm not ready to bail on most of these players, if any of these players, because this is a very young team that needs to still grow into things. And on top of that, I'm expecting more from play calling, plain and simple. Because we make that same excuse for NFL players. They've changed coordinators this many times and this and that. This Gophers team has been through three coordinator changes in the last four years, I believe. So I want to see more from play calling. And that could be hard on me. That could be uh, that could be harsh from me, I guess. But they get paid the big bucks. They get paid to do this thing. So, I mean, that's where my critiques go when it comes to a struggling season with younger players. Now, hopefully we can get that flipped. Hopefully we can get that shaken out. But if we don't, that's where I would look for changes, not this player isn't good enough or this player isn't ready to play at this level. I think we've seen enough flashes from some of these younger players to see they can play here, but how do you bring those flashes out more? So I totally get the expectations there. And that's what I'll say for that one. Cool question. Uh, They said that they go and watch a Vikings game in a new stadium each year. What are some of my Gophers stadiums or favorite stadiums I've visited for the Gophers? 100% honesty. I haven't been to any of the Gopher away games uh, since I've been covering the team. This is my second year in coverage. I thought about maybe going to North Carolina, but then I had a conflict with uh, my job job as well. So I couldn't get out that way. I thought about Kinnick, but we're just not happening this weekend. I'm thinking about Columbus, but I think this year I might just stick to the home games again and then maybe pick a game or two each year to try and travel to in future years of coverage. But there are some cool ones out there. Now, I've traveled all around for the D2 circuit, and I will say Augustana has an amazing facility for D2 uh, college. I think there was a fun one when we went out to Wayne State. 
uh, in the NSIC as well. They, they just come out of nowhere in the middle of a cornfield, but the, the community that shows out there is awesome. So there's some cool ones in the D2 space as well. But overall, hopefully I'll have more answers for you on that one in future years. Uh, one person's question, not fully a question, but he said that two disappointments this season. We had crazy hype for Brevin Spamford and Elijah Spencer. What gives? I wouldn't necessarily call these guys disappointments. Honestly, I want to know what are we doing to get the ball to them and get creative usage from them. You know, we had crazy preseason hype. You're right. But then how many targets are these players seeing? I mean, I think I've seen Brevin Spanford get more than five targets in one game this year. And I think it was the first game of the season. Now, yes. Has he had some drops? Absolutely. And he needs to clean that up. And he knows that as well. But you got to think about how loyal a player has been to this. You got to think with all that preseason hype, was he getting offers to go elsewhere? And he was like, no, I'm staying home. Did that happen? I would bet so. And so what I'm thinking is, why haven't we gotten him more touches? Why haven't we gotten him and Elijah Spencer, who transferred in from Charlotte, had a 900-yard season, was a top uh, transfer recruit or transfer, I guess, what what is the best term for that? Uh, best transfer option that many schools were looking for. And we haven't gotten him very many targets. Has he gotten more than 10, 15 targets? I'm not going to go look right now, but my guess would be he'd probably be right in that zone of like 10 targets on the year through six games. These are players that why haven't we gotten more easy looks for them? We saw uh, like 13 slant routes for Elijah Spencer in the spring game, but we haven't seen what one or two in this whole season, a slant route for him. Why aren't we seeing more of the quick usage of these players to get the ball in their hands and let them create. So I wouldn't call it as disappointment, disappointments on the players front. But again, I turn to questioning the play calling and how do you get the ball in those players hands? Because the, the flashy passes to Daniel Jackson, Corey Crooms, it's all good. I love it. But that's not what Brevin Spamford and Elijah Spencer are plain and simple. So how do you get them into their type of play and get the ball in their hands, get creative and let them create. That's the biggest questions for me. So that's how I would kind of turn and ask that question as well, because I'm sure both of those players had looks at other schools, but they chose here. So how do we use them to the best of our ability and get them the ball as well? Final question. Can you explain why PJ won't make special teams a priority? Why won't he move on from Wenger? I think that's the question of the day. I think that uh, if you ask my guy, Ryan Burns, he has been calling for that for a couple of years now. Truth is, PJ's a loyal dude. Like he really, like whether it be the quarterback decision he's making, whether it be a coaching decision he's making, he's got loyalty. And once he's built trust and loyalty with you, it seems like he's willing to ride that out through rain or shine. So I think that answers that question. Now, is it the right call? I'm not sure. I mean, I probably would want to make some huge changes in the special team, seeing as we haven't been able to successfully flip the field consistently. And he admires what Iowa does on that side of the field, but it doesn't happen. I don't know. I can't give you too great of an answer there, but we're going to wrap it up with some basketball questions, a couple of them to close this show. That's what's coming up next.
First, I got to talk to you about our friends over at Jace Medical because there's a lot of uncertainty in the world today, and if it's important to be prepared. You've got unrest in the Middle East. You've got fires in Hawaii. You've got hurricanes and tornadoes in Florida, and on top of that, earthquakes and so much more. And you know what? That can lead to supply chain shortages for medications or the inability to get medications in a timely manner. So that's why you should get the Jace case because the Jace case is a personalized emergency medication kit that contains five essential antibiotics that treats most deadly bacterial infections. And they can do it unique to your needs as well. They also have been working to expand their medication offerings in recent efforts and have added Evermectin to the as an option to the Jace case as well. So you can go on and get a look for the different options that you can add on to your Jace case and have it on hand for emergencies. I remember when I was living in North Dakota for a bit, there was so much snow that people got trapped inside for like basically 48 hours as things were trying to get cleaned up and whatnot. And that would have been a perfect time if someone had a, uh, an infection or if someone came down with something, this would have been the perfect thing to have on hand for emergencies like that. So you can go to jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com and use promo code locked on at checkout for a $20 discount on your order. That's promo code locked on at J-A-S-E medical.com. All right, y'all, the final questions for today's listener mailbag. And again, thank you for sending those questions my way. We're turning the basketball. First question, more wins this year, Gophers men's basketball or Gophers women's basketball? Look, this isn't even close for me in respect to the men's basketball program, but I expect the Gophers women's basketball team to have more wins on the season. I think that they can fight for postseason play this year. Now, which postseason? Are we talking the tournament? Are we talking the NIT? I don't know that question quite yet, but I do think that this Gophers women's basketball team is going to be a team that a lot of teams maybe sleep on, but could make some connections here in year one. Now, a question kind of hand in hand with that is what are reasonable expectations for Coach Plitzelwhite and the Gophers women's basketball team? It's a great question at Big Ten Media Days, and I covered it on the show a little bit. So if you want more in-depth Gophers women's basketball coverage, uh, go check out that show. I definitely went in-depth there, and we did a season preview as well. So we've got a couple episodes out there for you. But I think reasonable expectations are going to be early on in the season. We got to see how things come together. That's where they're still learning the mastery of the certain concepts that Coach Putzaway is trying to put in. And there's a lot to learn because she is very analytical. She is very video-based approach. And I love that because long-term, it's going to build the cerebral IQ, the on-court IQ to recognize things and react naturally, instinctively as the Gophers players go. And that will help build the program to the point where year two, year three of Coach Putzwhite, hopefully we're seeing some crazy team play. We're seeing some awesome opportunities. We're seeing them take away players from the opposing team. We're seeing everything of smart basketball. The things that you like to see where you're like, man, how does this coach make that happen? That's what I'm expecting in maybe years three with Coach Putzwhite. But in year one, I'm expecting growth from the players themselves as far as fixing the things that maybe we saw last year as struggles and turning them into positives or net neutrals. But I think the biggest thing is going to be for this team, I think that they finish in postseason play. Of the 14 teams in the Big Ten, last year I believe they were 13th in the Big Ten. I think that this team can realistically finish at 8th, 7th in the Big Ten. Now, I'm not expecting them to be a top five team in year one, though She, ha- Coach Plitzwhite has had her teams in that conversation. 
in the past. But it's the Big Ten. It's one of the best conferences in the country. And I think that that's going to show it's going to be tough to get in the top five. But I think that eighth place finish, I think that is a real possibility. And the eighth place finisher could still get into the NCAA tournament, depending on how you play in that Big Ten women's basketball tournament, depending on your major wins and your resume. So if this Gophers team can go out there and win some games that aren't expected, some big time wins against an Indiana or against an Iowa or something like that, and you show the fight and you get one of those wins on your resume and you get one or two games above 500, maybe 18, 19 wins, you can maybe sneak yourself into a tournament but worst case scenario i think this team will at least be in the nit and getting some postseason play under their belts while they prepare for year two with coach puts where i think anything can happen anything goes at that point so i'm really excited for how this women's basketball team is building the coaching staff they've got on hand the players that they've got on hand and i'm excited to see how it looks in the early returns though i think we're going to see some sloppy play we're going to see some mistakes and all that so temper the expectations don't think this is going to be uh ncaa tournament team from day one month one or month two but by the time we hit big 10 play i think this team's going to start clicking and it's going to be a fun team to watch moving forward Final thing is I want to shout out Mara Braun. She was named to the Cheryl Miller Award watch list for the best small forward in the country. So I think we're going to see Mara Braun play some three this year. Now we've seen her play a lot of two. I think there's times where she can maybe be the one, not necessarily playing the one role, but she can bring the ball up the court and facilitate the offense. But I think it's interesting that she gets a name to the small forward of the year watch list. So I think we might see a lot of her at the three, which would be awesome to see for the Gophers. I'm really excited for the basketball teams this year, especially the women's basketball team. And we're going to be covering both of them and a little bit of hockey all season long. So be sure to hit subscribe so you don't miss any content moving forward. Be sure to drop any questions you have in the comments at all times. I'll get them on future mailbag episodes, but that's going to do it for us. Roll the boat, Scott, you might go Gophers. And as always, don't forget to subscribe.